it. Ready? Go ahead. Seven, eight, nine, ten. All right, we're just gonna get started. That's right. You ready? Good. Welcome to the Eric Lang Show, everybody. We're here in the. Uh, what do you call this room, Morgan? I have no idea. I really never sat in this room. You never sat in this room? <laughs> the uh, the other night we used it as like kind of a staging room for all the bags, gift bags, and stuff. But other than that, never really have a lunch up here at the men's grill, just un- literally underneath us right now. Mostly hanging downstairs. Yeah. A lot of people down there. So anyway. Today we're here with Morgan Hoffman at his home course, Arcola Country Club. Um, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm uh, today's like the first recovery day. Yeah. That I'm I'm kind of feeling back to normal. We, up leading up to the event, we didn't really sleep for five days, so it was uh, really hectic, but extremely worth it. I could imagine. I mean, so today's Thursday, first day of the Northern Trust. Monday, mm-hmm. you had how many people out here? Hundred, two hundred. Um, well, Sunday night we had 700 at the event, what? and then um, on Monday we had uh, 275 golfers. Um, so we had 56 fivesomes. Um, That's so it a was, lot. Uh, and then we had about 150 volunteers. Did Rory complain about slow play, or was he pretty well behaved? <laughs> no, he was great actually. He was um, really well received. There were there were probably 10 people that came up to me and were like, hey, we didn't really know about how Rory was. And then when he did that interview for CNBC, um, and then it was just so great with all the kids around here and, and the volunteers, um, they had a new respect for him. Right. So um, you, you had a fundraiser. Uh, tell, tell if some people out here listening to the show are new to golf, they might not really know much about what's going on with you. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of keep it short as I can, but it's a long story. You got an hour, you got an hour, <laughs> whatever you want. Um, so since uh, 2011, I started having atrophy from my sternum towards my underarm. What does atrophy and mean? Like, like atrophy, just pain? No, atrophy means literally the muscle just disappearing. Um, so it just, if you have, like if you look at your bicep, and you had atrophy there, it would go all the way down to bone. You can just touch bone and no muscle would be there. And you're so like, that's, what's going on? Yeah, so that's what happened with my uh, right pec and like my ribs were showing, it was really bad. So I had no idea what was going on. And so for six years, starting in 2011 when I left college. Um, this is I, right when you turned pro. Exactly. You turned pro in 2010. Yeah, 2011, yeah. yeah. So I would have graduated 2012. Um, I, I went pro a year early from Oklahoma State, and I spent six years searching for an answer. And I went to the countless doctors, the Mayo Clinic, HSS, Cleveland Clinic, um, physical therapists, uh, neurologists, and no one could figure it out. I was just like, come on, I mean, I'm going. I went to Mayo Clinic for five days, and I was like, look, I might not look messed up, but you know, I'm going to tell you what's going on, and I want you to figure out what's what's happening. And uh, I said, you, you have my, um, my go-ahead to run any test that you want, and I'm here, all yours. You know? So I laid in beds, went and CT scans, did blood tests, EMGs, all this stuff, and the last day came around, and there were eight doctors around my bed, and they were like, yeah, we have no idea. I was like, what? how? This is like the best place in the world. And... Um, so just continued. Keep what, what, wait, what does it feel like to be there with eight doctors who are telling you they don't know? Um, I felt like it was a joke, you know. It, I felt um, 
I just couldn't believe it, you know. The, it couldn't have been that hard to figure out. Was it uh, painful? It wasn't painful. That's the thing. There, It was just weakness progressing. Um, but you're and still then, competing. Mm-hmm. You're still playing regular schedule. Right. So, like, over over the years, it, my swing speed just kept going down and down. From um, what to what? Um, I'd say, oh, like, 120 in college to, like, right, right in February this uh, this year, it was, like, 108 107 wow um so at that point i was just like all right i need to figure this out and find a cure but backing up to yeah um 2016 in december i finally found the answer i I went to hss in new york city to a neurologist and upper east side yep yeah and um i sat down with the guy and he's like look i want to do a blood test but i have an inkling that it could be muscular dystrophy and right when he said that i checked him off the list i'm like this guy's an idiot fucking clown like yeah there's no chance that yeah no one in some small thing right no one in um my family had it before and because it's it's super genetic right that's the only way you got it yeah but there's learning more about it there's onset um genetic uh diseases i guess and it can it can happen from stress like it can happen from uh the way you eat the you the work that you do all this kind of it's insane um so i was like all right whatever man let's let's do the test and we'll see what happens and um we did it and he's like yeah it should be a month maybe two months till we get the answer i was like all right whatever anyway six months go by and he finally calls me. Forgot about it, probably. Yeah, probably. You're like, I definitely don't have that. Yeah, this guy, <laughs> I was like, kind of checking it off the list. But I called him a few times, and uh, still no answer. So finally he called me, and he said, hey, yeah, you, uh, you came back positive. You have muscular dystrophy. Um, I'm like, well, what does that mean? Where do I go? What do I do? You know, like, he's like, uh, I don't know. I'm just telling you, so good luck. No. I was like, all right, dude, see you. Peace. Because I looked into it. There's no nothing. Yeah, nothing. there's the first thing it says is nothing. Right, nothing you can do. Yeah, there's no cure. He's like, good luck. So I, then, at that point, I was like, researching where to go to get the help. You know, and so for, uh, that's like ten months ago. Was that that moment? Yeah, it was uh, like December. Like, yeah, just like over a year ago. Yeah, and oh, this is we. Everyone else found out in December. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> this is earlier. This is earlier. Yeah. Um. So then I researched best muscular dystrophy doctors in the country. So I went down to Miami and saw one. And um, I was like, okay, check me out. What do I do? You know, how do I go forward? Can I get better? He's like, no, there's no cure. Um, we don't really know what to do except uh, give you some physical therapy. But it looks like you're still strong. You can do all the muscle tests. You can raise your arms, all that kind of stuff. And so he's like, come back in, in about like 10 years when it gets worse, and, and we'll give you some physical therapy. At that point, what? I just started laughing. I was like, are you serious? And, and there were also like five doctors in the room. I said, how is this possible? Are you, I mean, this is ridiculous. So I, right at that point, uh, I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm, I'm going somewhere else out of the country. I'm going on a worldwide search to, to try and find a cure. You did like and, a deep pray love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it... Uh, that was like where the fire got lit under my ass and just like, all right, let's do it. And, um, at that point I, I told my family and, um, I, I knew I wanted to come out with the story 
because there was no point in me just holding it in. And right. um, I knew that with my platform, I could help a lot of people. And um, with my perseverance that I really know that there is a cure out there that I, I, I know I'm going to find it. I'm going to do something with it. And um, at that point, I'd, I was researching different um, outlets to tell my story on. And the best one I found was the Players' Tribune that Derek Jeter created. And um, it was incredible. They they were really supportive. And For some people who don't know what the Players' Tribune is, mm-hmm. you, it's, it's an event? So the Players' Tribune is um, an outlet for professional athletes to write their story. So it's like... Um, it's like bunch of articles that are posted every day with with different stories from uh, personal stories that have basically never been told before from professional athletes ranging um, through NFL, NHL, MLB, uh, golf. Um, so it's really, really cool. And um, originally I thought about doing it in a newspaper or with the PGA Tour, and, and this kind of had a very unique um, feel to it, and, and they were really supportive and Originally, I thought that it would take me like a month to do and write, and it ended up taking six months because I just was in the middle of my season, and I wanted it to come out at the right time, and I, I wanted to edit it the way I saw fit. And originally, one of their writers helped me write it, and then I just was like, this doesn't sound like me, so I'd kind of read it myself, and um, it turned out great. And I, How long did it take you to write it? I mean... It was really long. It, it was kind of uncomfortably long, like <laughs> kind of thinking that people really wouldn't read it till the end because there were some important points that I touched on and wanted people to know. But um, the response that I got, most people uh, really did look into it and read the whole thing, which I was really surprised about and just showed the support out there for, for athletes and golfers. So uh, that made me really happy. It was a tremendous amount of support. I mean, it was yeah. like it must have been unbelievable, almost. For it you. was, it was, and I mean, other than having my fellow tour pros reach out to me and be like, hey, "Look, I read your article and it was really cool, and we support you," but the most shocking and humbling uh, outreaches were people on social media writing me and being like, "Your story touched me," and the fact that. I've never told anyone I've had muscular dystrophy, and I'm telling you for the first time. And I was like, this is unbelievable. Just just people. Yeah, just just random people on Instagram, on Twitter. You must have had thousands of these. Yeah, it was insane. And they, um, this one girl was a professional gymnast, and and she said, hey, I had the same disease, and um, no one knows how fast or slow it progresses. And I was on the bars doing flips and like sticking landings and six months later I was in a wheelchair and um, wow. you bringing out this uh, awareness is really special and I just wanted to tell you that and like it gives me goosebumps now and um, stories like that just motivate me to to get this where I want keep doing it yeah I, I will yeah I talked to Michelle we over the weekend mm-hmm. we were talking about you and I talked a little bit with Charlie about you it's funny actually before he you and I met today for the first time. I had, we had made a joke about you years ago that that you and Charlie were brothers. When we were when we were in a porta potty, and and I texted Charlie this week to say what are you what are you up to on Monday, and he was like I'm gonna going out with my brother. <laughs> and I was like I didn't know you had a brother, and he's like Morgan, you idiot. That's awesome. Like, oh yeah. We joke about that on tour too. For, we were like 
dude, we got to play that new Zurich event, the, the team event. <laughs> like, the brothers out there, that would be so sick. You spell it differently. Yeah, we do. You have two N's. Mm-hmm. It's probably better. Yeah. I like two N's. It is better. He's like my younger brother. <laughs> less significant. <laughs> so, but um, you, you then, you know, Michelle was saying that, you know, the, the idea that you have a, you know, platform is a, is a way to put it, right? Mm-hmm. You have a, you have a, you can, you, you may not have a cure, but you at least have something you can do. Yeah. Right. And, and that's to push it in that direction. Absolutely. Um, I'm in the process of, of working on a cure. I, I spent the last, well, not the last, I've been home for three weeks, but I spent four months in Nepal and, um, doing this Ayurvedic treatment with a doctor who barely spoke English and lived at 14,000 feet in the Himalayan mountains. And, um, picked herbs out of his backyard and finding them in the snow and crushed them up with a rock in front of me and put it on my body for, for six hours a day. And, um, it was, uh, it was difficult. I was alone. Um, it's nice to be speaking English again. Your, your girl could um, come. She, she came for three weeks in the middle, which right. is awesome to break it up. But, um, I learned a lot about myself there and, um, two months in, the doctor told me before I came, he was like, look, I've, I've cured a lot of people with cancer, muscular dystrophy, Parkinson's, diabetes. Um, and he's like, come here, come here for two weeks and you're going to see a difference. I was like, all right. He said, you can leave after that if it doesn't work. I said, all right, fine. So two weeks goes by and nothing really happens. Anyway, two months go by and nothing really happens. And I was like, all right this is ridiculous. I'm, I'm spending a lot of money and, um, it's hard to understand. And, um, half of the ingredients are herbs that don't even exist in the U S and, and don't have English names. And, um, I was kind of just losing hope. And I, I sat down alone and, and looked over everything. And I was like, if I leave now and like kind of nix the last month, I'll always think for the rest of my life, what if, what if I stay there for the last month and something changed? So that motivated me to stay. And um, I stayed and it happened. I started noticing something different. And as I said earlier, in my right pec, all you could see is bone. And when I flexed it, you know, if you flex your pec and you put your hand on it, you can feel muscle moving. Um, and now, I put my hand and fingers in between my the ribs and, and you can feel muscle flexing when I flex. So it's really, really promising. Um, I have six more months of herbs that I took back from Nepal that I have here and um, take twice a day. So um, he, he was really pushy about saying like, he had no, not one inkling of doubt. He was like, yeah, you're gonna be cured. I mean, not one time. I was like, look, man, this nothing's happening for two months. And you're telling me in the beginning, two weeks, you're going to see something different. And so how, how am I supposed to believe you? And he never um, got flustered. He never had doubt. His facial expression never changed. He's like, yeah, I mean, it's it's a fact. You're going to be here. And I was like, all right, whatever. Like, I've heard a million different things. And What was his name? What's his name? His name is Kamal Josie. Um, where, 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 where is it? It's in Kathmandu, Nepal. Okay. Um, but he's from Bazong, Nepal, which is like up in the mountains, middle of nowhere. Uh, and uh, so the last month, something started happening. And now um, what I was saying earlier is he was kind of being pushy. He's like, when you get back to the States, go back to the doctor that you got genetically tested. And it'll be 
it'll come back negative that you don't have muscular dystrophy anymore. I was what? like, all right, man, look. That's aggressive. Right, that's aggressive. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you don't understand. So, so I said, all right, I'm going to take these uh, oral herbs for three more months when I get home, and then I'll go back. And if it keeps improving, then I'll go back. If it doesn't, I, I don't know what, what I'm going to do. But um, so in October, I'm planning to go back and get this genetic test, and we'll see what happens. And Go back to HSS? Yeah. Or, I mean, whatever... Um, Uh, whatever lab that can yeah, can do the matter. same test yeah so I guess uh, so so you've got basically seven years of steady noticeable decrease in the muscle mm-hmm. and then you've got six months in Nepal three months uh, almost four yeah almost four and it's the only time it's gotten better yeah but and before I went to Nepal like for the last year um, that I've been on tour it started it, it's in my left pec now and then also in my leg. Um, you can just see and I can feel like going upstairs, you can like just feel weakness and it's a really weird feeling. It's hard to describe. It's not painful. It's not painful. It just like it's like if someone scooped out with a spoon your muscle and, and you can just feel the the muscles around that area working and not that area. Is it can I can I touch it? I mean Is yeah. it weird? It doesn't feel like anything? No, it's just like it just feels normal. It's just bones right here. What is it? Yeah. Whoa. Like, like here. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like... And then this one, there's peck. Yeah, yeah it's like... <laughs> Whoa, that's crazy. Yeah. You just feel... It, it feels like you're super, super skinny right. in one spot. Exactly. Is it weird to look at? Is it, does it look different to you? Yeah, very yeah. different. So, okay, wait. Um, so you must be pretty inspired. I am. I'm, I'm excited. You know, I'm... But I'm not, I'm not putting my eggs in one basket. I'm not getting my hopes up. I'm just going to continue the regimen and then get tested and see what happens and go from there. Um, and no matter what happens, if it comes back negative or positive, still I have a long road ahead of me because if it comes back negative, then... And you go move to Nepal. <laughs> <laughs> if it comes back negative, then I'm going to be able to help a lot of people comes back positive i'm going to continue my world search and and find something that you don't if it comes up positive you don't think you'll go back to nepal um i'm not sure yet i have a lot of i have a few other avenues that are very promising right now germany's got to have some weird germany does that's funny you you said that those germans are fucking (laughs) are you german what's off i am yeah yeah yeah. a little bit a little bit yep got a lot of golf do you you play golf you've been playing now yes um yeah i mean i played Played the, I played Monday. It was the first 18 holes I played in uh, six months. Fuck. Yeah. So I was coming re- off of like yeah. just a, a life around yeah. ball. What did and it I, feel like to hit a ball? Um, I, I've swung like a couple times, and it uh, actually the first time I swung, I was with my buddy Rafa, who played uh, on Monday also. We went to the Bears Club and went to the par three course. I was like just itching to get out on the course. And <laughs> I knew you, dri- you live in Florida now. Yeah. yeah, I knew driver wasn't a good idea, so I was like, let's just go hit some short irons. And on my fourth shot, I made a hole in one. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there's no way. He was like, fuck you. Such this is bullshit. Dick. You're still good. Such How is this dick. possible? How long was the hole? It was only like 130, still. but still, I was still. pumped. I was running around. One hopping in, sucking no, back. No, jar straight in, straight in. <laughs> Straight Buckets. And, um, yeah, then we went over the chipping green. I was still hitting little <laughs> nippers. It was pretty sick. So I was excited. But um, we played in carts on Monday, and after, like, seven holes, I was dead. Really? Yeah. 
just like just what, tired just like physically like not getting the club around were you even caring at that point i don't no, know i mean i was playing all right i made three birdies in a row out there which was Amazing. nice um and i on on number seven we had we were lucky lucky enough to have bmw sponsor and we had three cars out there for hole in ones and on one it was like 212 i had a four iron and lift out for a hole in one which was like <laughs> it was crazy so i had a great day and um the only reason i had to play was because we had probably 10 pros drop out last minute yeah um but that's expected you know yeah ricky was gonna come mm -hmm. rory came and he wasn't even playing in the event he came up just for this it was amazing yeah you i want to hear um I've been to Nepal, I've been to Kathmandu. I've been to Nepal twice. Wow, really? Yeah, and um, first time I went, I was working on like a TV show. Mm -hmm. We spent like seven days there. Where did you stay? We stayed at the Hotel Dalai La. Where? What in, um, uh, area? In, in the um, the super touristy area, I want to say. Oh, uh, Tamil. Tamil, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah T H A E M E L. And, That's uh, the best spot, man. There's nightclubs and. Yeah, yeah, we went to a nightclub. Yeah. So we went to a nightclub in Kathmandu the Which second one? time. Dude, I don't know what it was called, okay. but we walked in. Oh, no, it was the one, it was, the, the staircase goes up the corner of the building in a spiral. Yeah, and yeah. it's on the top floor. It's like a disco. Uh -huh. So we were early, though, and that was closed. So on our way down the stairs, we saw another little nightclub, and it was, like, very low ceiling. Everyone was in full, like, Hindu garb, <laughs> and there was, like, 15 women on, like, a tiny stage with one man wearing, a, like, jeans and a jean shirt, mm -hmm. and he was singing, and... Everyone was smoking cigarettes, drinking, yeah. and and so we were getting into it though. And you know, adventures in golf. It's just the three of us, my two friends. I saw, I saw one of your you episodes. Saw it? Yeah. Did you see the one in Nepal? I, I'll send it I to think you. it was in India. Okay, that is. We did one. In, we yeah. did two in India and and two in Nepal. Where you guys were playing like with the, in the, the street golf? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a good one. You would love the one in Kathmandu. Cause yeah, I've got to watch it. You now. recognize it. Yeah. And then we went to Pakara. Okay. But anyway, so Pokhara. we go to this Pokhara, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> Sorry, so, I like, I'm an American. I'm like a local now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can speak it almost Everyone's fluently. Everyone's like, are you a backpacker probably to you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we go and we get, we're, anyway, we're in this like, it turns out it's a karaoke bar. Mm -hmm. And then we're dancing and I'm getting into the dancing and we're sweating. And I realize like after the eighth guy comes up to me and asks me to dance, I'm pretty sure it's a gay bar. Nice. That's awesome. And then I was like, <laughs> let's, this is, all right, do we stay or do we go? Anyway, we had a great time and. The second time we went, because, you know, the, um, you got to check out that uh, Royal Nepal Golf Club. Mm -hmm. It's really beautiful. I don't know. Might get peace and quiet there. I played at Gorkhana. Oh, you did? Okay. Because yeah, I've been in Nepal many times. And, okay. Oh, prior um, to this. Yeah. I have Fun. friends there that, um, Sean Einhouse, he played Oklahoma State with me. Okay. Um, we knew each other since we were 16, and his mother is uh, owns two hotels, one in Kathmandu, one in um, Dulik Hill, which is up in the mountains. Okay. So you're already familiar with Nepal. That's yeah. already unusual. Mm -hmm. It right? is unusual, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I got to... I've known a bunch of the locals there, but this time it was like I really kind of embraced it and, and got... Uh, every day I had a translator and um, I asked him two new words a day. So I was like almost fluent and I would go to his mom and be like, hey, you know, like, say something, like a sent new sentence. and Right. Um she was like, where'd you learn that? Like, <laughs> but we're, we're, Surprising the shit out of her, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. 
Hey, Sklar Brothers here, Randy and Jason, and we have a couple of podcasts. If you you know them or you don't know them, check them out. We do View from the Cheap Seats, which is sports and comedy, and we have a podcast called Dumb People Town where we break down stupid behavior done by stupid people in this stupid world of ours. It is hilarious. Check them both out, and now check out this podcast. All right, everybody, check out Rain Sunglasses, R-A-E-N. That's a cool golf brand. No, it's not really a golf. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm out of it. It's not a golf brand. It's a sunglass brand. And here's the thing. I paid for these glasses uh, a couple years ago. I bought a pair, and I'm a sunglass freak. Like, I'm always wearing sunglasses. I love a good pair. You know, I don't go too wild. I don't really go, um, you know, uh, Kurt Cobain on it. But I do definitely look for a pair that's, like, you know, going to vibe with me. And rain just seems to fit my face uh, so well. I like I like them. I like the way they fit. I like the lenses. They got a lot of nice colors out there, you know, like the lens itself. Like I like the vintage green. I like the brown. And, um, you know, one of my favorite things about the rain glasses is the, 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 the two, the three, it's a threefold love affair I have with them. One, they look great. Two, they feel great. They don't give me that stupid headache that some glasses give me, which I'm literally like, get off my face, you evil psycho. And the third thing is they're an accessible price. That's the coolest thing. I mean, check them out. They're not crazy expensive. And if you go to rain.com and use the code RAINGOLF, R-A-E-N-G-O-L-F, you'll get 20% off, which honestly, I'm a little jealous. Uh, They make a lot of great glasses right now. I rock the, uh, oh man, what's the name of the ones that I rock? I rock so many of them. I love them. Let me see if I can find them. Anyway, while I look for them, hang on, I'm going to check. I'm going to look for them. I dig the Remy and I dig the Mason. Those are some sick shades. Check them out. They're not crazy expensive. And if you go to rain.com and use the code RAINGOLF, R-A-E-N-G-O-L-F, you'll get 20% off. Check it out. Rain.com, R-A-E-N.com. Use code RAINGOLF at checkout, R-A-E-N. And you will be sorted, my friends. 20% off. Please check it out. It sounds like, I mean, if you've already been to Nepal, you must, you must love to travel, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm, I what, what, How often, you know, like, obviously a lot of things changed for you, and before that you had a pretty regimented schedule with being a professional athlete. How would you kind of work in travel into your life? Um, well, I'm a, my, so my mom is a flight attendant for Delta, yes. and so she's always taken me everywhere. Like, we would just go on one-day trips to... Uh, Paris to like it was just ridiculous. One day to Paris, yeah, I yeah, because she has a turnaround, so she'd be working. I would just fly on like an empty. You would get a dead any MCC, yeah. Um, so she'd be working. Would you ever try to help her or anything like that? No, but it was awesome because most of the time, like, it, we would have to make sure that flying standby that there were a lot of empty seats, and um, with her status, like how long she's been working there, she just celebrated her fortieth year. Actually, forty years. Yeah. Um, so she I give big respect to your mom, dude. I love yes. flight attendants. I love all. It's great. <laughs> She's great. They, they work hard, man. Yeah. It's crazy. And they, you know what? They unfortunately get anyone who's listening to this. If you ever, if a flight attendant's rude to you, she's not being rude to you. It's just that she's in a tough situation mm-hmm. where it's like everyone's being rude to her because no one everybody, likes flying. Everybody. Everyone's stressed. Yeah. Everyone bought the cheapest tickets, so they're yeah. in the smallest fucking seat. <laughs> and that's your problem, dude. Yeah. It's not her problem. And they want everything. Like, yeah. why don't you have peanuts on the flight today? Because yeah. you know? people are fucking allergic to them. Exactly. <laughs> <I'm gonna> relax. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so she got me into traveling, and then uh, two of my uncles flew in the Navy Air Force. And um, when I was in college at Oklahoma State, um, I had kind of an affinity for flying, and so I got my pilot's license. And, you have a plane. Um, yeah, so I, then... I've heard that you've flown the plane 
to just to play around in golf in Florida. Is that true? I, I've flown at a bunch of random places just for, like, we, my girlfriend and I, we, we would just be sitting uh, in Jupiter at our house and be like, hey, at like 9 o'clock in the morning, let's go down to Key West for lunch and come back, and it's so sick. Or, like, to the Bahamas for dinner, you know, and it's, it's so easy because once you get to know um, how to, like, file flight plans and go in customs and, eat, like, you, you know the people there and uh, print up all the forms and have them filled out in certain areas, that's so just really quick. What, uh, what, what kind of plane? It's called a Piper Mirage. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Those are, you can almost go acrobatic with those, can't you? I mean, not, it's not recommended. <laughs> <laughs> a Piper Cub, maybe, but right. Mirage, yeah. Do you know what a Citabria is? Have yeah. you seen those? Mm-hmm. I rode one of those. Sweet. Yeah, we, uh, we had to put parachutes on because we were going to intentionally invert it. Yeah, of course. Ah, it's yeah. an acrobatic lane. Do you ever stall the engine just for fun? I mean, it's uh, we do it a lot in training, but yeah. not, not for fun. I, you do zero <laughs> gravity a bunch. And like my, actually, my buddy Rafa, who I mentioned earlier, we've, uh, we went over to play, and then Calusa Pines in Tampa, and then came back a, a late night flight because we were out, had dinner and all that stuff. And we had four guys and four clubs in there. And, um, one of them, Rafa, fell asleep, and he was like, "Hey, all right, everybody, don't say anything." So I bring it up, bring it back down, and wake him up, and he's like literally floating in the air and just like screaming. <laughs> it was so funny. But that was with my old plan. It's called the Piper uh, Saratoga. Right. But um, did you see American Made? How did you not see American Made? I dude? don't think so. Tom no. Cruise. Yes, I have. Okay. I don't, oh, it's so good. It's, I, mean, I don't watch many movies, but yes, that you was one I made sure I, I did watch. Yeah, because he's just going back and forth, like quadruple mm-hmm. teaming each country. Yep. I did love that one. Um, I uh, yeah, I love flying. I don't know. I don't understand it really. I'm actually terrified of it, but uh, you're terrified, but you love it. Yeah, it's a weird thing. It's kind of like golf, you know? Like, I'm terrified of, like, a six-footer for Eagle, but <laughs> I love it, you know? Of course, all right. What, um, so I want to hear more about Nepal, though. So you show up there, mm-hmm. and I mean, like, I don't know. Not a lot of people get to go to Nepal. Not a lot mm-hmm. of people find a reason to go. It's a very hard place to go. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to get to, and then when you get there, it's hard to be there. Right. You know, you got to, you know, we, um, <laughs> I remember we were shooting there, and our DP is like a, He's like a brick house. Yeah. The guy's like 6'3". He's just like jacked. Mm-hmm. And uh, and on the last day, he orders an iced tea with ice in it. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? Why are you doing that? <laughs> Why would you get ice? Don't order ice, yeah. Not supposed to, he's like, I'll be, it'll be fine. And, and what happened? And he got sick. Yeah. You know, we then, then we had a three-day, we had a two-day trip home with like a fun layover in Hong Kong and a fun layover in Tokyo. Oh, and he's sweet. Just, just diarrhea. So... Any, any, you know what I mean? Just poor guy. Yeah. But like, you know, what, what were the moments like for you? Um, aside from the work stuff. Aside from doing the treatment every day, it was amazing. Um, I got lucky enough to, to know some of the most influential people there and including Sean's mom, uh, Sangeeta. And she, um, she does a lot of charity work. And, um, one of the, when we were 19, Sean and I started the charity in Nepal, which um, we raised money with the... Wait, this is your second charity? Yeah, this was like kind of a one-time thing because it was really hard to get... We had only cash to get into Nepal, and they're like really strict, especially with the Maoist government back then. It was really hard and uh, very corrupt. So when we were at Oklahoma State, Sean taught me about Nepal, and we... Um, the Oklahoma State golf, men's golf team and women's golf team 
spent one day playing as many holes as we possibly could and getting donors, friends, family, whatever, to donate uh, per hole. Um, and we were going to take the money over, and th there was a school there, and we bought them all, like, new Mac computers and never seen computers in their life. And I think we only raised, like, 20 grand or something, but when we were teenagers, that was so sick. Um, well, it goes a long way in Nepal. Yeah, right? it does. Huge. Um, but to go back, what I was saying is Sangeeta has a, a new, it's called Camp Hope, which I'm sure you've heard of the... Uh, the huge earthquake there about like six years ago and all of there were three huge villages that were completely destroyed and she built a, a camp in the heart of Kathmandu for all these people and now the parents all went back to rebuild the village while the kids are still in school in Kathmandu and so they need people to look after them um so Chelsea my girlfriend went over there for two weeks just to volunteer and um, before I went there. And that's how she actually learned about the doctor that I w eventually went to and um, wow. helped me for 90 days. So it was like come to something that um, was kind of meant to happen. It's very coincidental. Yeah, very. Um, but about, yeah, it's about Nepal. Anyway, the people were great. Um, everybody was so nice and caring. Uh, Chelsea made a friend, like she says, one of her best friends now, her name is Pooja. And, she um, grew up in an orphanage and doesn't have any family, and she lives on her own now and works at uh, Sangeeta's hotel. So her, Chelsea and Pooja, were the ones that kind of ran through the Camp Hope when, when um, Chelsea was there, just like taking care of the kids. And Pooja had a uh, very close um, love for orphanages and, and kids that need help, obviously. So... When I got there, Chelsea was like, you need to meet Pooja. She's so nice and incredible and love it, whatever. And so the first time I met her, she had a gift for me already, which I'm like, this this is ridiculous. Like, we well, don't do yeah, that in America. Yeah, like, <laughs> and then the, the next time we went, we went out to lunch, she, she was huge in, in showing me Nepal. And uh, she taught me about all the local spots. Like, I'm vegan, so I have to find different restaurants. And there was How a, long have you been vegan? Uh, just about a year now. Okay. Um, and it's just for health reasons for to get this stuff better, you know. Did you talk to any of the professional athletes about being vegan? Um, yeah, a few. Yeah. There was actually one here at the event uh, at Arcola, uh, James Anderson, who's been in the NFL for ten years, and him and his wife are vegan, and he's he's like two forty in jacks, so it's, <laughs> I know it can be done to gain weight on it. I do. I uh, you know I have a bit. I I, I tried being vegetarian for mm -hmm. a year. I love vegans. I love vegan restaurants. Mm -hmm. I have a hard time doing it personally, but yeah. I I'm fascinated by it. And I'm sure that it's the better way to go. To mm -hmm. be totally honest, yeah, how do you clean. feel? I mean, do you? It's very clean. I feel amazing. Yeah. Uh, ever since I started it, well, I went off dairy five years ago, oh, and wow. since then that was like completely changed my life. What precipitated the dairy decision? Um, my stomach would always hurt, and. I just started researching it, and um, my trainer really taught me to do it because I would always have like sandwiches with cheese on them, or you know, <laughs> like all, all kinds of stuff, and uh, butter on like just cooking eggs. You make make it with butter or something. And since I took out dairy, it was it was completely new. Like my skin changed, my energy changed. Uh, like I wasn't tired, my stomach never hurt. And then completely eliminating meat was another level. Um, 
and my stomach is always good i don't ever have any bloating or like anything like that so it's it's great and the studies i've done to get back on the subject of what i did in nepal is every single day in between my treatments which were at 7 30 and then 2 p.m i would just literally research food everything from spinach kale to jackfruit to soursop which has been cured um proven to cure cancer better than um uh, radiation chemo yeah no. chemo exactly wait, wait, what the f- what is soursop exactly it's a fruit that nobody has heard of because <laughs> it's it, it cures cancer like look it up how is that possible yeah it's it's insane what does it look like what does it taste it like? look it's like a green spiky fruit and in the middle it's white and weird i don't know i've never had it but i've Where researched it grow? It you gotta get you some <laughs> well i don't have cancer thankfully <laughs> you're right you don't have cancer um but yeah they're... might as well just get them all out of the way right exactly <laughs> just just eat everything that can cure everything um but yeah, I researched so many herbs and, and food and um, I was on like a complete food spiritual journey over there. I did a, before I went to Nepal, I did a 16 day cleanse of just eating red grapes um, and water. So that really? was really tough. Uh, and then... How many red grapes? Like a, like a bushel or two, right? <laughs> so every day to keep up my calories, I had a food scale and I weighed like 10 of them and then calculated it so for 16 days i had to eat 800 grapes a day so whole foods oh. knew me personally as the grape guy <laughs> um he's into grapes i guess well not really not anymore i can't say yeah, <laughs> did you get with pits yeah with pits is the most healthy be. yeah because the other ones are like chemically engineered and just don't get me started on this <laughs> people have no idea what i'm talking I about can't talk grapes huh? um but Sorry, we're on all, a tangent. All, I know. Fine. All my research in, in Nepal was just about food. And I read probably seven books about uh, raw diet and uh, basically just eating fruits and vegetables and how, how much it can help you and how it can cure basically everything. And, and the main uh, general consel- consensus is alkalizing your body. So any disease comes from acid. So... The, the f- this sounds crazy to me, I'll be honest with you, but it's true. I'm, That's I'm fine. Assuming. Yeah, yeah. So any disease is, is an over acid in your body. So it's called acidosis. Cancer, like if you look at cancer cells versus if you look at a person with cancer cells and you look at a person that's vegan and then you take their blood and put it in the cancer blood, it'll cure it. What? Yeah. Um, because it's just not... Um, so all you need is a friend that's vegan. <laughs> this transfusion. <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, so it's insane. I've learned, there are two doctors that I studied a lot, Dr. Sebi. Um, he's like an 80-year-old um, African guy, and he's, he, he passed away, but his, uh, his program is just eating fruits and vegetables and certain nuts, and, and that's it. And, Whoa, um, super hunter, super and, gatherer. Right, and he's cured thousands of people with cancer. And then this other guy, uh, Dr. Robert Morse, who... I researched for a long time and ended up being in Tampa. So I went to go see him and he's the same way. If, uh, if you alkalize your body and, um, basically just go on a, a diet of eating raw fruit and vegetables, like you can cure anything. Have, have you begun to become suspicious of like some conspiracy? Yeah, absolutely. I, it sounds like you would be. I am. Yeah. What, tell me about what's going on. Cause, cause I, I don't want to put it in my words. Um, I mean, I don't want to say the wrong thing, but like there, there's uh, 
there's no advertising anywhere of anything like pharmaceuticals curing uh, curing disease. There's no advertising of, of food curing anything. It's just the if you have something, you need to be treated with uh, pills and and shots or Across the surgery board. Right? lack of sleep right lack so, of attention right so doctors don't tell you anything about nutrition and how to cure it they just give you a pill and be like all right take this and it doesn't really get them better so they keep coming back and, and continuing to take the pills and it's um, kind of like a lease car situation right they're like just come back and get another they car. get you back, back yeah. car. Mm-hmm. so that's why that's why i want to make um creating this health and wellness center that's been my dream for the whole foundation and that's why uh we've been trying to raise so much money and um this health and wellness center is going to be amazing we're going to have a restaurant in there um with just raw vegan food um and it'll be a cool restaurant it's going to people will go they'll want to go there yeah exactly but it's not just that that's a very small part of it there my vision is to have um you go in and book a day um first for muscular dystrophy patients but i want everybody to be allowed there to come and just better their health and you book a day kind of like a 10-hour day and have one hour with each specialist so we'll have a someone who will look at your blood analyze that then you go to a nutritionist completely tell them exactly what you're eating from when you get up to when you go to bed how you're sleeping then you go to a trainer redo your workout program get on a good exercise then you'll go to um, a physical therapist if you're hurting or or need to get better if um, and then there'll be meditation classes and it's going to be a one-stop shop that's that's my kind of phrase that I've been using because there's nowhere else like it in the world that I've found that you can go and literally take care of everything Um, and mental health is is probably number one and I when I was in Nepal um, I, I did a seven-day meditation class, um, three hours a day for seven days, and then the sixth day was a 12-hour day. And it was uh, put on by Sadhguru, which is S-A-D-H-G-U-R-U, one word. And I've been watching his videos for three years, and it kind of just fell into my lap uh, by meeting a, a couple named Kaya and Himanshu from India. And they... Um, they actually ironically grew, uh, grew up in New Jersey <laughs> where I, the IT people made a fortune and they just had enough of it, went to, back to India where um, their families are from and met this sad guru and went to his, uh, his center and fell in love with it. And now Kaya is his number one and teaches these inner engineering courses for, that are seven days long. And she was begging me to go from, I started there in April, and she's like, look, in July we have this inner engineering, it's seven days, and you should really come, I think it would really help. And originally I said, I'm not going to be able to do it, I'm in this, um, health is first to me, and I need to get this done, and I want to stay on this program so I can't miss any days. She's like, okay, so we kept talking and learned a lot about her and her journey and how Sadhguru changed her life, and he's not he doesn't label himself as any religion. It's just he's a mystic. He he realized everything on his own. It's an, it's incredible the things that he teaches people and how to meditate and um, how simple he makes it. What was the biggest uh, like like concept or, or or way of thinking or takeaway that you had from that seven days? 
Um, he breaks down the word responsibility. Um, and it's the ability to have a response and the ability to react. Um, and a lot of people think responsibility is like, if I knock over this water bottle, I'm responsible, right? But if you knock over a water bottle, am I responsible? Most people would say no, because you did it. But I am responsible because I can do something about it. I can, I can either help you, I can sit back if I have, if I have no, um, if I have no way to help, if I'm not capable, then I can still feel sorry or something like, and that's still a reaction. Um, so it's, it's a big in-depth, uh, journey that you can go on. And that's, that's just one very small subject in his teachings. And, um, just sort of like, I mean, this may be very trite, but Mm -hmm. it's sort of like when you walk up to a green and you're looking for your ball mark. Yep, exactly. Well, there's a lot of ball marks. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, are you Why responsible you... for someone else's ball mark? Most people would be like, no, they made their own. They should fix it. Yeah, it's like, well, don't but, I'm responsible for the course, right. and, and I'm, a, I'm a guest. Yeah. So it depends on, like, for me, perspective is a, is a big thing. Like, um, I've mentioned in one of my articles before that um, one man's garbage is another man's treasure, you know, and that says a lot about... You, you didn't come up with that, though. I did not, that... no. <laughs> I wish I did. That would be sick. Um, You can't take credit for that. So, no, but tell me how you related to that person. Um, That statement? Yeah. Uh, It's just just taking yourself back from from your, the way you've been taught to look at everything. Um, Like going down the street and seeing a homeless person, you know, and and they, they have like no shoes on. Right. And you go, Oh, I'm so sorry, sir. Like, I'd love to buy you some shoes or something. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm happy. I have a coat on. And like, you know, it's just like perspective and Nepal is the perfect place to, to learn about yourself and learn about perspective because these kids there, they're not living with a family. I'm, I'm relating to, um, referring to camp hope, uh, which I mentioned that Chelsea went and volunteered at. And these kids are so happy and, there's probably 50 to 100 of them there and they have one source of water they there's garbage everywhere that there's no disposal system it's they just pile it up plastic everything and just burn it and um they don't eat much and they're they're gener- they're so generous you, you walk in and they're like hey can we get you some rice you know can we like you want to come and sleep under my tent here that doesn't have a bed that has a dirt floor and we have a thatched uh, bed here with just some sticks and stuff. Like, it, it's it's insane. Like, they try to offer everything they have, and and we go there with, like, you see guests come in there with two hundred dollar uh, cameras and and jackets that are like these trekkers that come in with like all this stuff on, and they're just taking pictures and don't realize like what everybody's going through and and how their perspective is so different. It's it's insane. Uh, it, it's changed my life with uh, the way the people are there. Yeah, I think for me that's my favorite thing about traveling is it's not so much the experience of traveling and and that's exciting and that's mm-hmm. interesting, but it's the experience of coming home slightly different. Right. And being able to look at my home in a new way. You can't. You you can only do that. You can't sort of think that or. 
I'm wondering, um, you know, we, we haven't met before, but you, are you 27? 29? I just turned 29 like 29. a couple weeks ago. Okay. Yeah. So you're 29, you're really wise. <laughs> I'm sure you, I'm not the only person to say that, so you can Thanks. take it or leave it. But I don't know you before, right? So how has your personality changed in the last couple of years, year or two? I don't know if my personality has changed. I've always, I've always loved giving and loved helping people. Um, I've always been adventurous. I've always been an adrenaline junkie. Um, but I've become more grounded. I've learned a lot about myself and just in the treatments that I had over there from laying on a bed for five to six hours a day. And I, first of all, I hate one. I hate lotion. I hate I, putting like anything on me. Like I hate it. So I have to have like spray sunscreen and two, I hate dudes touching me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, I don't know. And it, you went there for six months of that. Or four right. And I had, I had two Nepali guys rub, <laughs> rubbing literally every inch of me and I hated it. I, I can't tell you. Like every, even, I mean, no, I had these little like, had, like undies on? weird underwear on, which was, uh, I have crazy pictures. Like of a toga it. kind of thing? Or like no, a... it's, uh, they were like paper almost. Weird. It was like tidy whities but they were blue and it was made out of like I don't even know what right. um, but uh, yeah I, I hated it so much and it was just something that like some people hate sharks some people hate needles some people hate you know whatever it is I just didn't like like when I if I go to a massage or a spa like it need, I have to have a lady I don't know I just yeah. feel more comfortable I'm okay with that I don't know why yeah. whatever you can judge and me you, do you can no judge lotion. me or not <laughs> Total, totally judging you Morgan um, in spite of everything else yeah. he's sexist it's awful <laughs> it's just so awful um, big scoop um, no but I mean yeah. but it was just it was hard to get through and, and not seeing progress for two months and um, just it was mentally trying and uh, there were so many things that I got through and um, I'm proud of myself for and going through that meditation workshop was amazing and um, to touch back on your question I um, I just feel that the little thing that the little things that get you worked up each day are, are not that important like if you just take a second and, and realize people really need so many other things in life and are going hungry and Need a, need a roof over their head, then your your issue of of uh, someone bitching at you about not getting back to their, their email, you know, in in a day, then then that can wait, you know, and um, obviously doesn't everybody doesn't have the same perspective, and and that's okay um, because I think uh, going on a journey, a spiritual journey like I did, was was amazing and exactly what I needed. Um, a lot of people, uh, I, 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 it must be hard for your girl, right? I mean, I, I can only imagine because I know a lot of times there's some moment in time where I heard that, you know, the, the person who's having the medical difficulty, their spouse is often mm -hmm. doing worse sometimes. It seems like she's been with you every step of the way. How does, yeah. how does that, how, what, what's going on with her? I mean, how does that work? Yeah, she was with me, uh, 
we've been almost together for four years and she was with me on the search and uh once i found it she was furious you know <laughs> she's like <laughs> she was with me we we share kind of the same perspective of um holistic living and everything that i've done she has done with me Every, she does everything too. everything I, I went on a i went on like a three is that just because she doesn't want muscular dystrophy? Or is <laughs> well, maybe, yeah. I wouldn't want it either. Um, but, no, she's just so supportive. And, and she's like, hey, I'm, I'm there with you every step of the way. And I'll do everything to make you feel better so you're not in it alone. And uh, we, did a, we did a fruit cleanse before the, the grape thing. And she didn't do the grapes because she went crazy on the fruit. And uh, <laughs> so did I. And uh, it, was, it was so tough. Like, we went from eating meat and enjoying ourselves and having filet mignons to going to vegan and um, not eating fish or chicken or uh, any kind of red meat, whatever, to uh, to going cold turkey, just n nothing, you know, like just vegetables and, and fruit. And it was tough. Like we, uh, I remember one time, like three months in, we were just like, we need a burger. We need a burger with bacon and cheese. And we stopped at Burger Fi in Fort Lauderdale. I'll never forget it. It was so freaking good. And that was the last time I had meat. And, really? And, that uh, satisfied you? Yeah. It, the it next was, time it didn't come up again. It was great. But now in, in Nepal, I was to, out to lunch with Pooja. And she ordered these noodles. And on the top was like a big fried egg. And I forgot. Like we, we finished our lunch and there was still some left over. I was like, hey, let me try yours. And I forgot that there was an egg on there and I tasted it and I almost threw up. And I, Whoa. I used to eat, I used to eat like seven eggs every morning. Cause I, I seven. yeah, I mean, I'd, I, I love getting in the gym and getting, how do you prepare seven eggs? Scrambles or what do you think? Yeah. I just scramble them really quick. I'm a, I'm a scramble guy. Cause I'm like, I'm pretty like, I don't want to waste time. Right. Exactly. Fry them up. Yep. Um, but I don't want to eat eggs anymore. And that's crazy. It, yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was satisfying though, because I knew that. I'm on the right path and that taste of knowing that something that's not good for me mm. is okay like yeah, that, they're not good for you yeah eggs are not really well especially good. with the way they're raising chickens now yeah. and, and the industry just, is also yeah, bad it's insane How, I mean you can still eat yummy food yeah there's, right? there's I mean, unbelievable vegan yeah. food there's desserts like I I was reading a book that was a raw uh, a raw chef wrote and in Nepal I got lucky enough to know the chef at one of the hotels and I was like, look, man, I need something sweet. And I have this vegan brownie recipe, which is, was completely raw. You didn't have to cook it. And it was just like nuts and chia seeds and dates and raw cacao. And you put it in a blender and then you put it in the fridge for two hours and you eat it. It was awesome. <laughs> that and, really um, good. Yeah. And Sangeeta, the owner, tasted it and she's like, we're putting this on the menu. And so it was, it was exciting. Too. You've already helped the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've helped the menu. That's great. So you, um, you're on a mission. How can people help? Huh. You guys, if you're listening to this and you don't help, you're an asshole. <laughs> so I'm going to start there. Morgan's going to tell you where to go. Uh, well, we have, we have a couple ways. Uh, we have our website, which is just morganhoffman.org. A lot of spe people spell Hoffman like Charlie with two one N's. N, so there's two F's and two N's. Got it. Um, and we have an Instagram that will link you to the website. Um, and we're going to have several um, great fundraisers throughout the year. How much um, did you raise on Monday? I heard it was a lot. Yeah, we raised a million and a half 
for that's our my, first year. I heard year. a million, so it must, yeah. that must have been like at 3 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> at 5 p.m. you heard a million and a half. Yeah, it was Dude, insane. Amazing, it was insane. I, I can't believe fucking it. A million and a half. Yeah, a million and a half dollars, and we started the idea of it in March. So in just a few short months, and all this came to fruition. How much is it going to cost to do the center, do you think? I mean, do you have any ideas yet? I'm not sure. Um, It'll be in Florida. Um, it is going to be in Florida. We uh, we have a couple interested builders, and we don't have uh, a set timeline yet. I know it's going to be a lot of money to do exactly what I want, and I want to save up until then. Um, we have some great people who are really interested in helping in, in every way, shape, and form, uh, from doctors volunteering to physical therapists to... Yeah. Um, more donors to help with the building and um, I could go and do my first comedy show I'd be happy (laughs) (laughs) it might not be that funny though but uh, it's going to be a lot you know um, our next kind of endeavor is we've had the PGA Superstore Um, they're putting on an outing of their own in September uh, up here in New Jersey which all of their funds is going to our foundation. Um, so it's going to be kind of like another pro-am, uh, but on a smaller scale. And they've been so generous that out, out here on number two on Monday, they had uh, a close-to-the-pin contest for every single group. If you had a close-to-the-pin, you won a $100 gear certificate. Um, and that was so generous. And, and now they're, they're doing this uh, charity event for my foundation. And we're, we're advertising them on for them on our platform and and then uh, I think the next step I've been talking to the devils and they want to do uh, well I want to do a uh, a NHL PGA tour hockey game oh that'd be amazing so there's like 10 guys on tour that either grew up in Canada or play hockey right and all of us have been talking about skating Delet, you know, and, 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 yeah exactly uh, Delette Mackenzie Hughes uh Mike Weir, maybe. Yeah, Weir's um, he, is he, le- he must be lefty. In he's got to be, yeah. Gotta but be. we want to do kind of an event at the, the uh, Barclays Center in Jersey. Oh, and amazing. I want to sell that thing out. That would be so yes. sick. Um, there's so many great ideas that we have. We had a, a yacht show. But wait, you couldn't have the NHL versus the PGA Tour. Not the whole NHL, just the devil. But I mean, you couldn't have pro hockey players against pro golfers. Do you think you could? Yeah, why not? I mean, I just feel like they're gonna crush. Well, yeah, they they are, but you know, like, <laughs> we'd have kind of we'd be the underdogs, right? I like or, that. or we can mix it. I don't, yeah, I don't players. know. It's just, hey, like, I don't want to run your event. I'm just saying. Like, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just curious. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's so many great ideas that we have, and it's uh. It's humbling, man. I can't believe the support we had on, on Monday night or Sunday night. We had 700 people here, Jake Owen performing. I didn't know Jersey had that many country fans. And I had a guy come up to me yesterday in the parking lot here at Arcola, and he's like a Jersey strong accent guy. And he was like, oh, man, I'm just playing Jake Owen on Spotify right now. It was sick. Like, his songs, oh, they just make me want to go play golf and get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but... No, it was so awesome. I've known Jake for like five years now, and he was very, very generous to donate his time. And and uh, it turned out to be an incredible event. It just kept getting bigger and bigger. So the way to donate is go on go online or, or send a check, get in touch with me or, or Chelsea. We have our emails on on the website. And, and, uh, cool. Yeah. And um, I guess I, I just want in closing, I'm just curious, like, are you thinking about golf? Like, are you – where are you – how do you think about it? How do you do that? Because, I mean, just your life is 
What is your life right now? Is it a question mark? I mean, well, my, you my, seem to be devoted to one thing. Yeah, I, well, I didn't know I was going to be an event planner and a, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, um, but I, I felt like a businessman. I've been in my laptop every day, all day, returning emails and just trying to pay my pay my respects to all the donors who have helped out and um golf is on my mind i miss it so much and i hate working on a laptop <laughs> but it's so worth it it's so worth it and um no my goal right now is to be back uh for like the sony open in january um yeah. i'm very weak still i need to get i'm in the gym which is extremely exciting the whole time in nepal i wasn't allowed to work out um and i'm, I'm back with my trainer don saladino in new york city and it's uh it's one thing that I'm very passionate about, working on my body and, and getting strong. So that's the first thing that I want to do uh, before coming back and really practicing hard. Because if I started now, my swing speed would be really low, and then I'd be gaining strength, and there'd be a big, big adjustment period. Right. So I want to get strong, then start practicing hard again. I want to see that too, man. I'm excited. Do you think... Uh, I, I can't remember where I heard this. I can't remember if someone was talking about this in relation to you or someone else or something, but... Could you take a cart at a PGA tournament? Mm. Aren't you allowed to? With I don't think so. Did you like a doctor's note or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I don't think so. We, yeah, I can't. You know what's really funny is this came up randomly. We were at the Wyndham Championship maybe four years ago. And Ross Berlin, who is one of the PGA Tour player relations player guys, relations, yeah. him and I have become friends, and he's a great guy. And we were just out with some buddies one night, and I texted him. I said are you allowed to have an animal on the course with you? And the animal that I was referring to was my friend's daughter, who was like seven. She had a hamster. Okay. And I was like, hey, can I keep a hamster in my golf bag? Just like, <laughs> just like, just a stupid question. And he's like, you know what? That's a great question. I have no idea if you can keep an animal. And uh, it came up, there were no rules about any animals that you could bring. So I was like, what if I had a dog? You could bring a dog. And he's like, yeah, it's allowed. So you, I said, so if I have a service dog, um, and I, I was like, so I can bring my dog out on the course and walk the fairways with me? During he's, a PGA Tour event? Yeah, and he's like, there's no rules that say you can't. Is it still that way? Uh, that's to my knowledge. Dude, I'm calling. Wait, you know I'm like big about the I bring my dog with me to play golf all the time. Do you? He doesn't even need a leash, dude. Yeah, mine doesn't either. He just runs around. What kind of dog do you have? A Doberman. Whoa, how big? He's only one and a half, and um, he's been through service dog training, and He's like so smart. He's been like four and a half months out of his life. He's in training, so um, he's he's like eighty-five pounds. Big guy. But it's supposed to be over a hundred, so we'll see. Do they let you bring him out here? Um, sometimes at night. They're yeah. kind of strict about it. Same but with my club in LA. Yeah, it's frustrating. Which club? Wilshire. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's a nice track. LPGA. Sweet. Yeah, man. I love taking the dog out on the course. What I kind of dog do you have? I have a 17-pound poodle Bichon Maltese, 8-year-old <laughs> mutt from the pound. That's awesome. Named Snowball. Nice. And he's a sweetie. And, uh, yeah, I just love him so much. You know? That's great. Yeah. How old is he? We don't know. They told me he was 10 when I got him. Okay. But I'm pretty sure he's younger than that. He's when did you get him? jumping around. Two years ago. Okay. He's always jumping around and... Yeah. He seems pretty healthy. When I first got him, we thought maybe he had a hernia because he would sometimes whimper. And then, I don't know, I, I, I don't know what his life was like. I right. don't know where he lived or mm -hmm. who who took or didn't take care of him. Or I have a mutt, too. Yeah. He's, uh, we think he's eight, but he's like a, he has a, <laughs> Brent, he has a Brendel uh, coat. 
and he kind of looks like a pit bull, kind of looks like a, I don't know, a bunch of different stuff. So he got hit by a car and broke both of his legs, and um, his name is Scribs. Because <laughs> we, my aunt had him and nursed him back to hell. She was a vet. She named him Scribbles because of his coat, and Scribbles was just like kind of weird, so I, I yeah. shortened it. And then my Doberman, his name is Yama. I like so, that name. Yeah. What cool. does that mean? In, in Buddhist, it means kind of like protector. So it was like a Nepali-inspired uh, name. Couldn't bring him to Nepal, though. No. I mean, I could, but you I just could. didn't want to put him on a plane for that long. There, yeah. But he flies with me all the time, so yeah. that's great. You bring him upstairs? You bring him to leave him downstairs? No, no, on my on my plane. Oh, right. Oh, right. That's there, right. Yeah. I forgot you. <laughs> I forgot you're Arnold Palmer. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, he's great. <sighs> well, that's the, uh, the fourth time in this podcast that I've been... I don't know, man. It's like you're, you know, you can have a conversation with somebody and you can talk or whatever like that. But I do believe that there's a way to actually like just sort of communicate. This is going to sound lame, but, you know, emotionally, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I can, it's the fourth time in this time we've been talking where I've just been like, I, I don't know. There's an immense amount of feelings going on at this linen tablecloth at the country club here. <laughs> in front uh, of the fireplace. Yeah. And, and you've heard probably people passing through um i know you got to go to a meeting a little bit i really appreciate your time no it's great to be on i uh i do want to know um well first of all if you're going to bring scribs i'm sorry uh papaya yama yama if you're going to bring yama out to the course and ross berlin's going to be there i want to see that because <laughs> i know ross and he's one of yeah. my favorites yeah he's great i love that guy and also i do want to know if you're gonna go back to nepal because i'd like to go with you Sweet. I would love yeah, to. Yeah, you're welcome uh, anytime. They're like my family over there, so if you want to go and stay at the hotel, yeah. I can set you up too. I have a 10-year visa, so I'm good oh, to go. Sweet. Yeah, I had a 90-day visa, and I had to go renew it, so yeah, I probably should have just got a bunch. Get a more. bunch, yeah. Get a bunch more. And then they, uh, yeah, anyway, it's a it's a wonderful place. I'd love to document it, and, and you know, I want to see what those underwear look like. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you a picture, but I'm not going to show you them on me. <laughs> No, but I just, uh, yeah, I really appreciate your time, and I and I hope everyone listening really, uh, you know, takes some of what you said to heart. I like the idea of the responsibility thing. I think that's something that we as golfers and we as humans kind of unfortunately just kind of looking for the easy way a lot mm-hmm. of times, myself included. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, look at the whole way the world is going. It's about laziness. Like, look at a, look at a minivan, for example, kind of really random, uh, but the doors open on their own. Yeah. Like, it's just you push a button. That's yeah. it. Like, how about our phones? We can literally access anything at any time and have, we have unlimited knowledge in our hand at all at all points. And it's yeah. just, um, people want things now. That's the bottom line. And, and nothing in life that is really important, I believe, happens now. It takes time. Um, love, changing your, your mind, um, changing your body, and and getting to where you want it's like it takes time and you just have to have patience and dedication and perseverance and um i've learned that a lot over the last few years and um i know that i'm only 29 and that's why i'm kind of taking a break right now from from golf like i can play golf right now yeah and i could i i have status on the pga tour and i can go play but i want to be my best and i know that there's a cure out there and i'm going to cure it before i come back you, uh, I did. I keep wanting to forget to ask you about. Uh, did, did you look into Steve Jobs at all? Yeah. I mean, different, obviously, 
You know Steve went to Nepal to get yeah, treatment. So I don't know what from happened. My, from this doctor. Whoa, really? Yeah, and he was sending him stuff. And uh, his, I think it was his pancreas, he stopped taking the meds that, the, not. I'm not going to call it meds, I'm going to call it herbs. Sure. That um, Josie gave him. And he went and got surgery and like more pills and stuff from his doctor that Western. in the U.S. and that he ultimately passed away from. Well, that's fucked up because the story that I heard or that I digested was mm-hmm. he went all Eastern and it didn't work. Yeah, no, but, he was experimenting with other stuff and didn't happen fast enough for him. Whoa. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. What a weird, because I was like, I meant to bring it up, I forgot, and then I was like, gee, should I bring it up? It's kind of got a bad ending. Yeah. It's kind of not a good story. Mm-hmm. That's crazy, man, because you would think if you're Steve fucking Jobs. Yeah. Right? That's that's kind of the crazy thing, too, is when you look yeah. at the body. Well, look at the education in, in Western world, you know? What is it? Look at look at these advertisements on TV. Here is blah, blah, blah. It, it's going to cure your anxiety and, and stress, but the side effects are, are death, heart attack, uh, <laughs> your leg falling off. Like, I mean, it's it's absurd, and people still take it because yeah. they don't care, because they think it's a... I think, I think it's a cure, but, you know, they. people need to research and, and do some time and, and just take care of their bodies. Like, it's important. I'm really excited to see the Morgan Hoffman Foundation. I'm really excited to see the wonderful group of men and women for that play on all the tours, right? Uh, rally around your, like, wonderful mission, you know? <laughs> it's just going to be great, dude. Thank I you. Think, uh, and um, I almost said it couldn't have happened to a better guy, but... You know, I feel like you, that, that wasn't funny, but you know what I mean? It's like, you're just... No, no, it's, uh, I feel lucky that, that it was me too. Um, it sucks. Wait, you, you just know? said that? Yeah, you no. You just said you feel lucky. Yeah, 100%. Because I know I can make a difference. I know that there's not many other people that believe that there's a cure because look at all the people that have muscular dystrophy in the Western world. They're like, yeah, there's no cure. Like we, we just, we pray every day but that Get there is a cure go buy a wheelchair yeah like it's uh, yeah I'm gonna be in a wheelchair one day fuck that like there's a cure out there This is, there's a whole world there's 7 billion people and you're telling me that no one has a cure that's bullshit yeah so I mean I'm gonna find it and we're done thank you hold on I have one question to ask yeah, you, you go, oh you have a question for me yes your tattoos they're very <laughs> eclectic I have a couple um, I, ha- I got my first one in Nepal in Nepal in really? Tamil I want to see it. And it's it? like really small. Just, but it means for wow. me, it just means direction and discipline. It's a, tri- and it's, it's like an arrow-ish triangle yeah, on so the inside of your bicep. Yeah. So it's all. It means it's a symbol for a bunch of different things. My mom flew for Delta, right? So it's kind of oh, like it's a pretty Delta. similar to the Delta logo. I like that. Um, and then it's also like a d- directional gyro when you're flying in the plane, and that's kind of like what you're looking at to see if you're on the horizon or not. Okay, I like so. that. I love your aeronautical. Uh, roots, I'm a freak <laughs> for flying. So I played golf today with one of the guys from United. Nice. And I was going like just off the deep end with the science of flight, the the turbulence, the the just the logistics of running an airline. Mm-hmm. So anyway, this is um, this is uh, right, you know what? Fuck it. I was going to turn the mics off, but I'll just tell you. So this is actually the symbol for uh, this means I don't drink alcohol or do drugs. And that started 17 years ago. Is that your symbol or the symbol? It's the symbol for a 12-step program. Okay. That, you know, I'm technically I'm not supposed to align myself to with on 
press, radio, and films. There's like an anonymity okay. thing. But anyway, that's the symbol for that. It also means that potentially that I'm a lesbian, I found out later. Oh, congratulations. Which I, I also am a lesbian, too. So I love <laughs> sleeping with women of all, uh, you know, um, you know, types. And <laughs> this is, uh, so I'm also, I, I'm into meditation. And I, I actually found meditation through golf. Um, oh. uh, Zen Golf, Dr. Joe Parent, wow. wrote this little book on, he's a, Tibetan Buddhist from New Jersey also. Really? And he's a Jersey guy. He's about 65 right now and lives out in Los Angeles. And I had gotten into golf through my brother randomly. Prior to that, I had hated it. Everyone's listened to the podcast has heard the story a thousand times. But I got in. I got into golf, and shortly after that, I got my brother sent me a copy of Zen Golf, and I immediately mm-hmm. learned about kindness and compassion and patience and visualization yeah. on the golf course. And yeah. so golf was immediately a Buddhist's exercise yeah absolutely which I mean it, it, any athlete of your level mm-hmm. it's it, it must be that or else you'll yeah. just turn into a psychopath that's true so through that process I met a bunch of meditation teachers the most recent one I had uh, used this as his mantra I love you keep going so we would do 30 minute meditations just saying I love you keep going over and over and over again mm-hmm. and you would variate between saying it to yourself visually or saying it to that's, other people that's my girlfriend Chelsea right there Chelsea Charles, <laughs> I'll say I have her. She, she's so, busy. So uh, that was the meditation mantra. This is a eyes. Have you ever done the thing where you draw something, not looking at it, and you don't lift the pen off the piece of paper? Yes. So this is my ex-wife, and that's me. I drew her, and she drew me. And what, what are all these things? Well, that, that's a, I'm a bad drawer apparently, and that's her hair. And I think that was also. It looks like she's a frog with a mustache. Wow. But really, it's supposed to be a beautiful woman with long hair. She did a really good job doing me. Yeah, you look great. Yeah, and then we had our, we had a, a friend who didn't know how to do tattoos do those. I love that. That's it's, like, it's pretty good, right? Yeah. Hi. <laughs> we were just talking we're just, about you. We are just going through all the... T- Hi, Chelsea. Hi. Good to meet you. I'm Chelsea. Nice to meet you. I'm Eric. How are you? Hi. Hey, I'm Eric. Mark. Hey, Mark. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. We're broadcasting. You're, so you're on it. We're just. Morgan had one question. We're just going over all my body ink here. Luckily, it's mostly on my body. And then this is a motorcycle. I rode a motorcycle across the country. Did you really? Stopped in Iowa, and I had a ride through a thunderstorm, and I was pretty convinced that I should be dead. And I ended up at a person whose house. A, a house of a person whom I didn't know, a friend of a friend. And I, the whole way there, I'd been thinking about angels, and I didn't know what was keeping me alive. It didn't seem like... Would you get, like, struck by lightning, or was it just bad no, storm? No, it was just... Or? You know how the freeways sometimes get pushed over into two lanes mm-hmm. instead of four? Mm-hmm. So there was oncoming traffic right against me, and the, and the road was grooved, which is very oh, scary yeah. on a motorcycle. Yes. You ride? Yeah, I'm, a little bit. Yeah. What do you got? I don't have one yet, but I'm, I'm planning. You're gonna get one. Yeah, I'm planning on getting a BMW Scrambler R9T. I like that. Yeah, like kind of vintage or is that a new model? Uh, it's a new model, but I'm gonna kind of like soup it up a little bit. Right, right. Beamers are the way to go. They're slick. What do you have? Uh, I don't ride anymore. Okay. (laughs) I've been in too many accidents. Yeah. And the funny thing is that all the accidents were my fault, and so at that point I had been in three, and I was like, you know what? I think third time's a charm. I don't need to wait for someone else to do something. <laughs> That's good. Because you know? yeah. in L.A., it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so, yeah, I ran into this guy, and he was like, uh, yo, I'm going to go uh, design some tats. Do you want to come? And it was like midnight, so we went. And he's like, I'll give you a tat. 
he's a really good tattoo artist. And then that's obviously someone's name on my hand. You know, and then and I got one here that's uh, a prayer. Awesome. And it's sort of like, uh, you know, it's, it's personal. I'm not going to take my shirt off right nice, now. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> Long answer. No, that was great. Thank you. Thanks for being on here, man. I appreciate it. I really, I really, uh, I, uh, I'm glad we had the opportunity. Me too. Thanks for making Thank you very time. much. We could just say thank you for another hour. I feel like we're both really grateful dudes. Hey, thank you. <laughs> You're going to be on SNL soon. Watch. All right, everybody. Have a great week. And like, and like Morgan said, check him out on uh, Instagram. It's Morgan Hoffman with two N's, PGA. Okay? Instagram, yeah. On Instagram. And from there, you and can then get the to... And Found Morgan Hoffman Foundation is our Instagram. Okay. That one's better. Whatever. Follow, follow fucking both, guys. Yeah, go to... Don't be stingy. Yeah, do No one that. cares how many follow, but people you follow. And then morganhoffman.org. Yeah, perfect. Thanks, man. We'll see you soon. Sweet.